Good morning, River City Church. I'm so glad to be seeing you. My name is Kara. I'm glad that you're here. Um, if you are a mother or if you have mother been a mother to other people in our community, I just want to say happy Mother's Day. We're so thankful for the investment that you have um, put into your children, but also into our community as a whole. We could not do or be the community that we are without you. If you're joining us for the first time, Thank you for being here. We love that you're here. You can say hello in the comments and we can virtually greet you to the best of our ability. Um, but we're really glad that you're here. For the announcements this week are all of our favorite part. Um, thank you for everybody who participated in our finance Zoom meeting last week. It was a really great dialogue and it was a great introduction to um, creating communication and Having, having open and vulnerable, transparent dialogue about where our church finances are, and we look forward to continuing that in the future. As for tonight, we have um, Jordan leading a Zoom communion call tonight at 8.30. Put your kids to bed, give them a book, give them a screen, whatever you need to do. We'd love to see you there, take communion together, and um, have a little bit of conversation about it. Um, as we mentioned the beginning of last week's service, this month of May, we are going to be focusing as a community on listening prayer and going through um, different ways that we can engage in um, the discipline of listening prayer through testimonies and through um, Lectio Divina. And so this week on um, Thursday at eight o'clock, we are going to be doing another guided Lectio Divina and we will then have breakout rooms in the Zoom call so that we can discuss and process through what the Lord revealed to us. It's a great way to be processing through um, and practically implementing the Lectio Divina and listening prayer discipline. So we'd love to see you there. If you at all find yourself in a season, throughout this season, needing physical needs to be met, needing help, um, in any way, we would love to be able to partner with you. Um, there's no shame in asking for help. We have all been there, and we will all find ourselves there again sometime. So if that's you, you can reach out to us at needs at rivercitysmyrna.com, and somebody from our care team will reach out to you. That email address will also be in our comments below. If at any point today or this week, um, in the coming weeks, you feel like you need prayer, we would love to be able to partner with you in that way. We have a prayer team of people who um, are gifted and love praying with you. So if you would like to reach out to us, you can reach out to us at um, prayers at rivercitysmyrna.com. That will also be in the comments below. And we would love to be able to carry each other's burdens, especially during this season. Now, for our psalm for this morning, you can um, find it in your guide. You can find it um, on Facebook or on Instagram, lots of places. Um, but if you would open your Bible up to Psalm 31, um, I'm going to be reading from the screen. It's Psalm 31, 1 through 5, and then 15 through 16. It says, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net that they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. 
My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that you see all, that you know all, that you are in all things. I thank you that we can trust you, that we are being held in your steadfast love, that your character is unchanging, that we can allow our hope in you to be our anchor in unsettled waters. God, this morning, would your presence bind us together from house to house, from room to room, from family to family. May we worship and lift your name high above every other name. May we cling to you and to you alone. Be with us this morning as we worship your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, River City. I want to invite you to pray with me in prayers of the people for our community. We're going to be reading in John 14 today, in which it says this. This is Jesus' words. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. So God, today we are praying and asking you to do things in our community, things in our own lives, things in the lives of those we love and know. And we're praying that you would do these things, God, because we believe that they're in your will. And so we ask them in Jesus' name. God, we're praying for the universal church, its members, and its mission. God, we're praying for our Smyrna churches gathering all around us, even this morning virtually, for the T&I churches um, in our own network, God, that are gathering. We thank you for the initiative that we've been able to participate in as we are praying as churches in Georgia all across our state. God, we pray for all of our brothers and sisters um, in Christ who are suffering from the virus, not just here, but across our world. We pray that you would bring people to healing and that you would bring us in unity as we suffer alongside one another. God, we pray for the increased persecution that is happening all around the world due to the perception that people won't notice just because people are quarantined and such. God, we are acknowledging that there is great persecution and we pray for justice to be had. God, we thank you for shifting our focus to that which is most important during this season, that people are at the heart of why we live and why we follow you, and that gatherings are important, but God, us, each other, one another, these are the reasons that we follow you. So in the name of Jesus, we ask you for compassion and justice. God, we pray for our world and all those in it. God, we thank you for the gift of this world and the healing process that our planet is undergoing right now as pollution has been limited. God, we thank you that smog is decreasing all across the world, that we're able to see the skies and our planet, um, both the land and the waters. God, the, the animals, God, all of us are going through a healing process. We thank you. God, for those who lead countries across the world, both state governments, local city governments. God, we thank you for their leadership. God, we pray that you would offer them wisdom to do what is best for all. God, we're heavy-hearted today, 
as we mourn the loss of Ahmad Adbury. God, we have compassion, and God, we pray that you would fill us, God, with hope. God, that you would let us sit in the pain, not to move on too quickly. God, we pray that just because the news stories and the social media posts stop, God, that the we just acknowledge, God, that the injustice is not over, and God, that this points to something much greater and much deeper, and we pray, God, that you would bring justice to the situation, not just, God, for the two men who have committed the murder, God, but we pray for, God, that you would be, ju- you would be just, God, even in the systems in which the oppression is happening. And so, God, would you do a mighty work in his life, God, in the lives of the family, God, we pray for the mother specifically, God, as she's still mourning and yet trying to figure out how to move forward. God, we ask you for your peace and your presence. In the name of Jesus, we ask you for compassion and justice. For the welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County, God, we thank you for our essential laborers, for all of the service employees, healthcare professionals, first responders and transportation workers. Thank you for their sacrifices. God, would you be with them today? God, we thank you for the over $100,000 that's been raised by the city to offer meal support to people who are in need in our community. God, thank you so much. God, we pray for the food hungry. God, that you would give bravery to speak out for those who are hungry and that you would give us the opportunities to take action. God, we pray that you would give businesses creativity and wisdom in the times of uncertainty to do what is best for both customers and employees. God, for the U.S. unemployment claims that have hit over 33 million this week, God, we pray that you would bring people closer to you despite the hardship. In the name of Jesus, we ask you for compassion and justice for the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it. God, we pray for those who are particularly vulnerable to the virus, that you would protect their health, for the isolated and the lonely, that you would bring these people to our minds. God, that we might meet needs in real time, God, not thinking that we will act later, but God, give us, compel us to action. God, give us bravery. And the people in our, in our church, God, who are in need, God, give us bravery to speak out, to make those needs known. God, we ask that you would give us creativity to meet needs outside of our own community, God, and the places, God, that are hidden in the shadows where people are not willing to speak out. God, we thank you for our own health, for our families. We thank you for mothers today, for the gift of life and how they model your character to us. God, we pray that even as people are limited in their ability to do things today, to celebrate moms, we pray that all of the moms and those who are spiritual mothers to us all, God, that they would feel loved by you and loved by us. In Jesus' mighty name, we ask you for compassion and justice. Amen. Good morning, River City Church, and happy Mother's Day. Hope you guys are having a great Sunday so far. As you've heard and as you're aware, we've been traveling through Listening Prayer as a Body for the past few days, and we've been partnering with our network and with other churches all across Atlanta to pray. And as we've been doing that, I wanted to start today just by sharing with you some of the thoughts we've had as a staff and our wise counsel and our prayer team, the things we've been hearing in the world. The biggest thing I've been stepping into is this belief that each of us needs to become good at listening this this month as a beginning into kind of our rhythm with God. And 
as we talked at staff this week, there was a collection of ideas that I wanted to share with you that we're sensing and hearing. And that is that it seems to be a time in this, um, in this new season where we're starting to recognize that some people are getting anxious and some people are getting antsy. And there seems to be um, some unrest that's surfacing in different ways, of course, like it would in a season like this. Um, but that there's a little bit of a lack of compassion and that an opportunity we see and we labeled as a staff is that we could be start to model what compassion looks like, start to be good listeners, even to people who are frustrated and to start to step into that. And the other thing that really surfaced in our staff meeting was that it's a really strong opportunity to listen as a body. And what an invitation it is for us to be able to say together, we're going to create some space to hear what God is saying to us and believe through his scriptures, through his community, through the Eucharist that he's, he's speaking. And so as our prayer team's been praying, which they've been praying for months now, they've started to hear some really interesting things as well. Um, their big takeaway so far has been that they feel like in the body of Christ overall, including River City, it's almost like God's taking wanderers into a place that's settled with him. They use the chapter Joshua 1 to, as, a, as a kind of map for what they feel like the body's going through, specifically River City, and that we're stepping more deeply into trusting Christ. Um, almost like the Israelites had to face the giants as they went through the land to get to the promised land, that one of our giants is trust and the lack of trust and serving other gods, ones that we create, or waiting on Yahweh, our God, or Jesus, or Christ. So that's a few of the things that we're hearing. We'd love to hear what you're hearing. You can post it in the thread or even step on Thursday nights, the Zooms. We're going to be praying together and doing some stuff together. But another thing that we've been listening to is our world. And I think this is very important that we discuss and talk through what's happening in our world. And I've sensed a lot of anxiety, of course, right? Like what that's a clear opportunity for the body is if we're listening to our world to be a non-anxious presence in the midst of anxiety. But I also think something happened this week that's helping us as the body of Christ to realize that the darknesses happening right now aren't only limited to the possibility of a virus and the impact it can have. But there are actually darknesses that aren't as easy to wrestle down or even put in a category because they've existed for so long and they're going to continue to exist if the body of Christ doesn't step up and start talking about it. And that's specifically speaking about the awful tragedy of Ahmad Arbery and really the slaying and the killing of, of a human, a, a brother and or sister human that we all share life with together that his family is now experiencing loss and he's experiencing loss because of injustices that run deep and aren't as easy to hope for that they would end. And so I would just say, if we're listening and if we're wanting to become present as the body of Christ in the world, we have to see and hear this. It's clear, right? To see and hear this, you have to feel the feelings. You have to understand what's happening. And I think as the body of Christ, we have to be able to talk about it. We have to label it and say, this is what this is, and this is not right. This is injustice. It's happening. It's living under the surface of our lives. And so if you could go ahead and pull up a quote, as we listen to the beginning of the year, a friend of mine, Dr. Cheryl Johns, um, she had posted something I shared with you then I want to share with you now. And it's this, 
my movement talks about prayer. We are a praying people, but we aren't inclined toward penitent prayer or the life of ongoing repentance. Lack of teaching on this subject has made us people who love to praise God while at the same time compromised by personal and corporate sin. I firmly believe that 2020 should be our penitent year. We don't need to get America to cry out to God. We, the church, need to cry out in fervent, penitent prayer. Both we and our ancestors have sinned. And there's a whole generation who have never experienced the heavy, convicting cloud of God's presence. They've seen smoke machines and even danced before the Lord, but they've never been overwhelmed by the glory or trembled under the weight of the holy hush. The only way there is through the door marked penitence. So I think this is an opportunity for us to step in to our world and collectively say, forgive us for the ways in which we haven't stepped in as the body of Christ and to these kinds of injustices that are alive today. And so I'm going to actually pray here before I continue and ask you to posture your heart today in humility. In fact, I, I felt like I was supposed to label a posture for our service, and the posture is humility. That's the idea that I don't necessarily know what's needed, and I need to be in a spot of saying, help me, lead me. And so as we pray today, I want to ask you to jump in. Jesus, just the weight of our world right now, the darknesses that are, that are about, I ask that you would Give us voices to speak the truth of the gospel, to help those in darkness to step into the marvelous light. I ask you to help us to look like Jesus looked in the gospels and to become a part of the things that need the healing touch of Jesus. Help us to not avoid the things that need to be spoken about, that need to be justified, specifically the things in our own hearts. Help us to not rant a meaningless rant. Help us to look inward and ask the question, God, where am I needing your forgiveness? Let this be a reminder this day, today, Mother's Day, our need to be nurtured by the caring, loving Father. Help us to be reminded that you're drawing us and warming our hearts and asking us to go to be the light of the gospel of Christ to a world who is anxious, panicked, scared, ready to fight, angry, pointing fingers. Help us to step in as a penitent church saying we need your healing and forgiveness in our land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I wanted to jump in first by reminding you that the text has actually been speaking to us clearly as well. For me, in this season, I feel like on my life there's been a grace for the Word of God. I believe that there's been such an ease in stepping into and feeling the life of God in the text as a living vessel, not just something that I read and put down, but something that I feel like I am dwelling in that is dwelling in me, something that I am reading but I am being read. I feel life in this, and I'm thankful for that. And I think it's been speaking clearly to us. And I want to just kind of recap a couple things. Acts 2, 42 through 47. I've actually mentioned it two weeks in a row. I'm going to read it again. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the needs, the proceeds to all as any had a need. And day by day, attending the temple together, the breaking of bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and sincere and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And I think a move here that I want to remind you is that they're gathering around things spaces where Jesus can be experienced, but they're being drawn into this space. I think the wrong move is to feel like we have to just do these things because we're supposed to do it, because gosh darn it, we're Christian and we do those things. They're being wooed and drawn into the life of God by the Spirit of God. In fact, at the beginning of this chapter, I would encourage you to go back and read all of chapter 2. The Spirit of God is so alive, so filling, so drawing, so warming, that He's creating a community that is awe-filled just at the gathering, the reading of the text, the prayers of the people, the meal together, the fellowship. They're being drawn in. And so I couldn't label last week clearly how to say to someone, you need to be drawn in. Like, of course, we want to be drawn in to this. Like, who wouldn't? Some of us had entered the wrong way, but yes, we want to be drawn in. So this passage, one of the passage from the election this week is 1 Peter 2, verses 2 through 10, and I think it's so perfect for today as a setup. A setup to a text in John where we, but also to explain what's happening in Acts. I'm going to read it to you. Like newborn infants... Long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But for you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I love how in this text it starts by highlighting I'll, I'll just say it, milk of all things. And what I don't want you to get a picture of is in the 90s, like when there would be commercials that came out and like athletes were prepping to go play a basketball game and they'd like drink a big thing of milk. That's not like a real thing. Like that doesn't happen. Nobody drinks a big thing of milk. This is not talking about the milk you go to the store and buy. This is talking about the maternal milk that comes from a mother to a baby. And I love that, it, especially this day, right? Happy Mother's Day, right? Kind of a strange connection there. But I love that it highlights the maternal nurturing characteristics of our God. To say, 
I need you to focus on this kind of milk and the kind of scenarios where this kind of milk actually feeds. And I think it's highlighting something very specific, this drawing as a baby, as a mom. There's an instinct, right? The baby will be looking for the milk, wanting the milk, almost knowing things that the baby should know because of the hunger. And it knows who to go to for the milk as well. There's an instinct in these passages to be drawn by God, to taste and see that he is good. I believe as a Christian, as someone who has said yes to the baptism of Jesus, yes to the table of the Lord, yes to Jesus as as the way, that there's an instinct within us, if he is ours, that is drawing us into a space to grow. The instinct is there, right? If we have tasted and seen that he is good, if we know who he is, the instinct, right? It's there. The drawing is there, and it's a good drawing. It's the kind that says, I will be nurtured. There's not too much of an expectation on the baby in this scenario other than the milk and the connection to the mother is what will produce the growth over time. It's consistency. So the mom and the child, and I have no idea what I'm talking about. I've never done this before. Like I've, I've never fed a baby this way. But there's a rhythm that is developed between the mother and the child where there becomes almost like it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And over time, growth happens and babies grow. Babies grow. Some of them grow quicker than we want, but they grow, right? And so in this text, this is an invitation to us as we hear and see this, as we're drawn into these spaces where we're asking God to be alive and speaking that it's not just our job to make it happen, right? There's a drawing. There is a instinctive nature within our new DNA as sons and daughters of Jesus to move towards him. And he is there nourishing, replenishing, feeding, filling. He's the meal, right? He is in the Eucharist, which we have been talking about. He is the meal that consumes all other meals. He's the, the feeding that quenches all other hungers, right? He's the, the meal that's worth waiting on and craving because it will sustain like no other meal. So he's the meal, he's the milk, he's the maternal nurturing. He's, he's offering this to us. So I wanna ask that Jesus would continue to warm your heart, to warm you in such a way that it would draw you If he is the light of the world, light draws people. Let his light draw you in such a way that his his hands and his words and his text can fill you and warm you. And and you can say to to, to your family and to your friends, were our hearts not burning within us as we gathered with our Savior? And so we're going to read another text. This will be today's vocal text in just a moment, but I want to, I want to just highlight one thing as we step in. When we, and I was listening to a conversation with a friend of mine, Dr. Green, um, I'll put the link on it. It was actually played on God TV last week, and I don't know how to get that to you, but I'll figure a way to get it to you. But the conversation was about how do we respond to the situations right now, and it's, it's sort of morphed into this idea of how we read scripture and who we think we are in a text. And as Western Christians, it was highlighted that a lot of times when we read even the Great Commission, we think we're the ones who are the apostles that are sent in our first reading. As we approach, right, 
the text. And as we say yes to being sons and daughters in this new community, as we step into it, when we read these texts, a lot of us jump straight into the Great Commission, almost assuming that we've been through what the disciples have been through. Our entry route is honestly at the end of their training with Jesus in person. But a better, more real picture of us is stepping into this walk with Jesus as if we are the disciples who are being named to follow. And if you do it that way, as you read these scriptures and as you see the story of Jesus unfold, it sets you up in humility to say, I need to learn And it's not a bad thing to learn. It's not a bad thing to grow. I think it is a bad thing to assume that you have learned and grown enough to do all that you need to do without being connected to your father. It reminds me of a song about a shooting star, right? Like, we don't need another shooting star Christian who's strong off the bat and then fades quickly and we never hear from him again. We need continual. I mean, would a comment be? Is that something? Maybe like a comet Christian? That's not a good, this is a bad, a bad thought about it. We need Christians who can step in and be sustained and have longevity, right? And to do it that way, we are welcomed on a path with Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. We are welcomed on a journey. And the journey is about learning how to become his disciples. And as a disciple, you assume that your teacher is always teaching and that if you're listening, you're growing and becoming like your rabbi. That's the invitation. So we're more like the disciples in the beginning of these texts than as Jesus is leaving. So as we read this one, it is farther along. It's farther along in the story. And it's painting a picture about what do you do when your hearts are troubled? What do you do when things are not what you think they should be or things are happening differently? And so I want to read to you John 14, 1 through 14. It says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I just want to back up real quick. In chapter 13, This is the table with Jesus and his disciples. He's done a lot right before this. He has, this is the last supper right before this. He has washed their feet. He has given them the new commandment. He's been training. He's been teaching. He's predicted that Peter will deny him without extracting Peter from the conversation. He's predicted that Judas will betray him. And he was, he has said to them, where I go, you cannot go. So I think it's, very clear that as they enter this conversation, they are bewildered at best. They are trying to figure out what is happening right now. A lot of things just happened that we don't know how to decipher. So this conversation comes on the heels of that. He says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, right? We mentioned this a few weeks ago. Lord, we don't know where you're going. Like, we don't know. How can we know that way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Like this famous We all know this text. No one comes to me except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do 
you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, like, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And so as we step into this, I'm not going to pray again, but this is a spot for them that is troubling. This is, in fact, what they're actually hearing. They're hearing that the Messiah, who they've longed for and had the opportunity to be selected to walk with and be physically present with for a long time, daily, the kind of presence with someone we don't even know with our own families. They're together. They're learning right here after this confusing meal, saying confusing things, that this Messiah is in fact physically leaving them and they do not know what to do with it. They don't understand it. And not only that, but all of the dreams about this Messiah are about to physically and literally be nailed to a cross. He's preparing them for this. He's saying to them, there's about to be a shift that you're not ready for. You're not going to understand it. So I'm going to talk to you now so that you can at least hear the words I'm speaking about what's about to happen, because in the situation, your hearts will not understand it. And we think if our hearts can grasp that we can trust our hearts. We think that if we can just put our heart into something, so much so that if our heart is not in something, then that must not be God. In fact, here, he's labeling, you're not gonna feel it in your heart. It's gonna feel like death in your heart. It's going to feel like the Messiah that you worshiped and came to be with and expected is going to die. It's going to feel like that, and it's literally going to happen that way. You're going to, that's what it's going to feel like. And John, location is a metaphor for presence, location. So they're saying, I want to continue to be intimate with you, God. And their questions, they're actually good questions. We even labeled it a few weeks ago. This question that Thomas asked actually presents to us a phrase from Jesus, from the question that helps us to even be alive in him right now. So it's not that their questions are stupid. I think their questions are, they're good. We would love certainty and we would love proof. We would love to be certain what's happening and we would love, for, I mean, Philip's question is like, show me God. He, he literally just walked Philip through how he is the son of God. And if you're seeing him and Philip's first question after hearing that is, okay, well then show me God. And he's gotta be like, Do you? he understood them though. He gave grace for this kind of space for them to sit at a table where they're gonna have to now feast in the midst of disappointment. See, this is where, and they're lost, right? Like this is where I think 
I'm encouraged to, to help lead our body into a healthy space about what it means to be alive in God. The kind of space where we don't get exactly what we want. Because there's a play on words at the end where he says, if you pray for anything in my name, you'll get it. I imagine that if they prayed for anything in his name right here, they would have said, you don't leave, which would have given them what they don't want. So there's a place where awkward and uncomfortable are actually the road to what God is providing. There's no way to trust if there's not a space to have to build it. There's no way to understand a God who's not revealing himself in deeper ways. I almost like to kind of think about it like this. Whenever I'm around children of families, because we're the Western culture, and I know all of us do this in a lot of ways, where the children are almost worshipped, right? Like where the children get everything they want, where the children decide what life will be like. It's, it's legitimately a difficult place for me just to even be in the presence of that because sometimes even that kind of family structure will want you to kind of buy into that kind of treatment of the kid. And I just don't have, I'm just not there where I can act like it's okay for a five-year-old to get everything they want. And we don't really want that to happen because if a five-year-old got everything they want, have you ever been around a five-year-old that got everything they want when they were like 19? Such a joy, right? Like such a joy to be around that person. It's awful because the whole world revolves around what they want. And so if we were to just get always what we want, if they were to get what they wanted, this story would have led to something very different. Their end of this is to conquer this kingdom that's been oppressing them by force if necessary. And we see that surface. These versions of the God that they serve have to die. In fact, they will have to say goodbye to God to actually see God. They will have to say, this version of God literally is dying to truly see who God is. It reminds me of teenagers as well. And you can pull up this quote. And I'm just going to read this to you because I I really want to. uh, Because I have an almost teen. Um, She's listening right now. She's just one of the three adults. That's me, me, Sarah, and her. Love you. Um, Tumultuous teens, in fact, know this space of faith in their body and soul. No longer in the relative safety of childhood, but not yet in the supposed self-sufficiency of adulthood. Adolescence is a space of liminality. That is an in-between space. Door frames are liminal spaces. A space between rooms, a portal from outside to inside. Teens need a companion who can be both midwife and chaplain. That is worth tweeting, and you might not even understand it. Someone who will help them navigate the loss of infancy and facilitate a safe crossing to the terrain of adulthood for the adolescent disciples, which is what they were, that will soon be the Holy Spirit. And thank you, Jesus. The Comforter will come to cure their diseased hearts and help them stand firm in their coming transformation. They're in a space, good Lord, middle school, bless you all who are going through it, or not even right now, but it's, it's not a fun place. It's not, it's not the most joyful place in the world because of the awkwardness of our bodies, the world, we're navigating what we're becoming, our voices are changing. It's awkward, right? These disciples are in this awkward spot where he's saying, This is about to be uncomfortable for you. But I'm speaking to you words now 
that you're going to remember and I'm physically not gonna be present and things will happen to me. Things will happen to your version of me that need to happen so that the real one can surface for you. So those that have lost faith in God, maybe it's just that you've lost faith in the version that needed to die. And maybe there's room in God now. Maybe there's room for you in God that you didn't even know existed. Maybe there's an invite into that space. But he says to them to start this passage, do not let your hearts be troubled. And I love the word here and I hate the mishandling of this text. I've mishandled it personally before. Do not let your heart be troubled. The big word there is let, do not let, which means that he is putting on them. You're gonna have to have the ability in a scenario where your heart seems to be failing what you're believing to say to your heart or to command to your heart that Jesus is what he says he is in this passage, which he says, Three simple things. I am the way, the truth, and the light. I am the way, the journey. I am the journey, right? I am the truth. That is the the goal of the gospel is that Jesus embodies this and the spirit of truth then reveals the truth of Jesus to us. The spirit of God is always revealing the truth of Jesus to us. And then I am the life, the Zoe, the the sustenance. Like this is the life of God is the journey. This is the journey towards the life of God where there is space for us, where he's saying there are many rooms for you. These three things, right? But he's saying to them, you're asking for a destination and you're asking me when and where. I'm telling you that the when and the where and the how is me, Jesus. So Philip's question like, well, then show me God. And then him saying, do you wanna know who God is? I am his son. Whatever you have seen in me is the character of God. This is not a trick. I'm not trying to make you believe I'm one way to somehow get God here and it does another. What you've seen in me, Philip, Thomas, what you've seen as you've walked with me is the very nature and DNA of Father God in the flesh. What you've seen of me is God. I actually look like him. I speak his words. Jesus is saying to them, the destination and the journey is Jesus. Doesn't even make sense. Like last week, I am the gate or two weeks ago and I am the shepherd. Like what? You're the destination and the journey. He's the promised land that they were going to in the Old Testament. In Ephesians, Jesus is the land that we move into and we're always being drawn deeper into the life of God. What frees us from the troubles of the heart like that? What frees us from the troubles in our heart right now? There are many counterfeit freedoms. Be sure. In our Practicing the Way group, this week we decided to take a turn and we decided to dive into healing from our past. And we're all super pumped to look into our past because in our past there are these pockets of things that have harmed us. Those are, there are things that we have harmed and there are awful things around our lives we've had to deal with. So the conversation got really, really raw in our group this week because how do you travel into your past while you're living in such a hard time? How do you hit the things that are dark and, and harmful and allow the light of Jesus to bring revelation to heal those things? What do you do when your heart's troubled? And it For me, it reminded me, as I looked past, we did something called the genogram, which maps out the history of your family, 
two to three generations before and even under you, the generation that's under you. And it helps you to see, here are the patterns that have surfaced. Here are the hiding places we have lived in. Here is how we as a family have been good at medicating the pain in our life instead of bringing that to the feet of Jesus. Here's how we've escaped having to own things that we need to own. And they're not fun to look at, right? There are many hiding places for us to go. There are many hiding places offered to the world right now. I mean, for marriages that are struggling, one of the hiding places now that's so easy to just slip into a disagreement will separate instead of working on what needs to be worked on and presenting your marriage to God and saying, we need healing, I'm selfish, right? We have to step back and we have to ask that God would lead us into this with the kind of trust that he's trying to build into disciples. Because... The destination is Jesus. God looks like Jesus. And this Jesus is telling us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am, in fact, going ahead of you to prepare a place for you. And I want to read you this quote um, about room and God from Debbie Thomas. And it says this, In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places, Jesus tells his sorrowing disciples. Meaning, God is roomy. God is generous. God is hospitable. God can handle your doubts for sure, your fears, and your questions. And God offers a belonging extended far beyond the confines of this mortal life. I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus says, as he stands in the shadow of his cross. You have a place with me. You have a place with God. You have a place a grim setting, real questions, an offer of comfort, the promise of home, the way, this is the gospel for our time. The story, your story, my story, our collective story of this precarious, overwhelming moment will not end in death. Though we might feel alone and frightened right now, the way is open before us. We know it. We know Jesus. And because we know Jesus, we know God. The way will safely bear us home. Do not let your hearts be troubled is an invitation in a season where we get to choose to let our hearts be troubled or to believe in a Jesus that is the way, the truth, and the life, that is the destination and the shepherd along the journey. He's offering to us the ability to begin to trust, to trust like maybe we never had. And you can what you feel like you got when certainty provided answers is not trust. That's certainty. And certainty is not the same as trust. Trust is what happens over a period of time when you see that someone is some way and this person in this scenario is Jesus and he is telling them, I am stepping away and it will look different and this version of me will disappear in a lot of ways. But I am not forgetting you. I am going before you to prepare a roomy place in my father's house. You will be invited into this space. There's room for you. Yes, even you. I go to prepare that place. And in fact, and it gets kind of missional and futuristic and a little bit tedious to deal with theologically, but I'm kind of excited to just talk about like this idea that you'll do greater works than I'll do. So they're still thinking about like, Jesus, are you still leaving us? Because you're talking about greater works. I'm, I'm here just upset that you're leaving physically. He's like, no, you'll do greater works than I'll do. And the reason is something that literally makes me want to weep in my deepest place. It's not that we're better. It's not that we're a better generation. 
It's not that we're this generation that's doing it better than the disciples. It's that Jesus is now shifting from physical form to intercession next to Father God. And I just have to imagine that if anyone is good at intercession, it is Jesus. He's interceding for us. So the intercession of Jesus is the sending agent as we are discipled and formed and drawn into the life of God and going through the places we can doubt but choose to trust Jesus and see that he is faithful. The sending agent of the presence of God in this community is that he is interceding for us. It's not whether or not you're good enough. You never were, right? Sorry, you're never gonna be. You're free as a child of God and you're belonging at the table of God with Jesus at feasts of joy and at feasts of uncomfort and at feasts of disappointment. But you know that your father is ahead of you preparing room for you and sending you into the world to prepare, to proclaim light to a dark world, to proclaim the life of God to people who are experiencing death, to, to proclaim to a people who haven't seen or tasted that this is the Jesus that we know. This is the one that we commune with. This is the one that is present among us right now. He's sending us and he's interceding for you. So you're having a hard time sharing just with your family about Jesus. He's interceding for that. You're having a hard time dealing with the pain of what happened in the past two weeks. He's interceding for that. You're having a hard time dealing with the fact that you're doubting God is even real. He's interceding for that. You're having a hard time figuring out what am I gonna do now that my job is gone? What am I going to do with the fear I cannot quench? He's interceding for that. Lean into the Father's prayers. The Father who nurtures like a mother. The Father who sustains. The Father who draws. The Father who strangely warms our hearts and gives us moments where a holy hush fills our rooms and our churches. And we have no choice but to get lower because God is present. And that's what you do when God is present because humility is the posture. And he'll send those who who are surfacing as they did saying, you said my name, I'll follow and learn. But he'll stop those who are surfacing right there at the end, desiring to take credit for Jesus, the things that God deserves credit for. And he'll, he'll allow us to be shooting stars for a moment, but then he'll include us in his family. If we're willing to be formed, if we're willing to be humble, if we're willing to take true spiritual milk and grow, What would a gift of us being formed by God, not to become Jedi of the text, but to become sons and daughters who are vibrant, what kind of gift would that be to our cities when this virus is gone, if we have become permeated with the life of God because we have submitted ourselves to him in a way that says, I'll follow you. I'll follow you here. I'll follow you through this town. I'll follow you into this situation. I'll see you heal here. I'll see you slip away here. I'll learn your cadence. I'll become a disciple. And when you say a hard thing to me and when a season surfaces that I have the opportunity to say Jesus isn't real, I'm out. I'll I'll lean into the words that say, I am the destination. I am the journey. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I go to prepare a place for you. That's the Father God for all of us. And we're to speak it to a world that has no idea about it. And many of us need to let the versions of our Jesus die so that the real Jesus can step forward. The one from the Gospels. The one that Philip heard about and then still didn't hear about. Wait, show me God. And Jesus is like, I just showed you God. It's me. 
Do you want to know what God sounds like? Jesus. Do you want to know what God looks like? Jesus. Do you want to know the kinds of behaviors of God? Jesus. It's me. You can trust that your Father God is in me. And then we carry the same DNA. In some ways, we are created in the image of God. And my prayer, and I'm not going to spit preach here, my prayer is that when someone sees you, they say, you look like Jesus because of the way that you speak, the way that you act, the way that you believe, the compassion you so show, how you step in instead of step away, how you give your life over to the faith instead of to the empire of finance or a promised false reality, the way that you lean in when you want to run, the way that you submit your heart as a father, as a 50-year-old, 40-year-old father, your kids watch you submit to Jesus and say, I'm not good enough, I need Jesus. My hope is that people would look at us and say, those people look like Jesus, because that's when the work of Jesus permeates into a city. So I'm going to close with a couple things. Space, requires trust. Where you're at now requires trust. Ingest the words of Jesus. Become lovers and doers of the word. Become people who hear a word and obey. If you're into the prophetic and you've heard a prophetic word, obey the word as if it's from God. If it's not from God, you'll know that because it doesn't look like scripture. The ones that you've heard, it's not a flippant thing to just be like, wasn't that neat? If it's a true word of prophecy, obey it. If it's truly from God, that's the option. It will produce life. But don't just desire thousands of those. Hear the ones that are real. That's what we need right now. We are image bearers. Carry that into your families. We are being formed into a spiritual house. If you have seen us, you have seen God is my prayer. If you have seen us, if you've seen River City, you've seen God is my prayer. If you've seen the way that we behave where we're not trying to figure out how to get people back together because it'd be fun to gather again, even though we want to be back together, where we're asking questions about how do we love the city and the people in our body? How do we permeate Jesus to our city? Christ is the way he has room. Some of you just need to hear Christ has room for what you feel like he doesn't have room for. He's, he's roomy. He's spacious. Our limitations are confined to our physical realities. He is not confined to that. We see that in the resurrection. He is not confined to what we think. Gravity for him, I don't know, maybe doesn't even, I don't know. He's not confined to that stuff. He's Jesus. He's in his own, right? He's in his own more real reality, the kingdom of God, where we can become an outpost for this kingdom in our city with his realities, being people who pray the prayers, because we know that he'll answer them if they're in his name. And before we transition, a prayer in Jesus' name is one that is covered in the heart and nature of Jesus. So we pray things because they're coming from Jesus. The body of Christ that's praying like this are praying the very things from the heart of God because we enter prayer asking, what is your heart, Jesus? We're not claiming things for ourselves. We're being sent into situations to be the light for people. So this week, Jesus, help us to look like you, to proclaim the mighty acts of him who has called us into the marvelous light. I just want to encourage you, please hear at least this. Jesus sees you clearly. He knows you 
more than you know yourself. Our most intricate, developed, theologically apt and sound prayers cannot encompass how he wants to pour his love out on each of us, our city, our family. It's too limiting, even the smartest among us. It's too limiting, even the most spiritual among us. Jesus is better than we think. He is always drawing us into the life of God. Please, Jesus, help us to submit, to be a body that will say yes to the rhythms and the cadence and to move into your heart as disciples humbly learning from their rabbi and going about the way that you lead us on. We thank you so much that you are with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.